Forge 103.9 The New Sound. Welcome back to Real Talk. It's your host, Mr. Matt Munoz, and I am joined by a very special guest who I've been wanting to have in the studio for a very long time. Please welcome to Real Talk, Veronica Morley, multimedia journalist at ABC 23. Thank you. I'm giving you the special <laughs> round of applause right there. Okay, now what's your actual official title? Because multimedia journalist at ABC 23 is just kind of like the kind of generic one, but what is your official title? Yeah, I mean, my official title, it's changed so much over the last mm-hmm. year. Um, but right now, I am currently our senior reporter, and mm-hmm. that's probably the easiest thing that listeners will understand. But yeah, I'm kind of one of the top reporters out in 23 ABC. Well, I would say every time I turn on 23, Veronica Morley's on. You give us the news, you give us the hard news, you give us the community news, the breaking news, the storm news, the hurricane news, which we were just talking about. I love that, hurricane. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the kind of new word. It's become a meme, even with like uh, Webster's Dictionary. They're like, well, this is a new one for us because hurricane's just been kind of coming in. But uh, how's your day going so far? Because you are busy. Oh, yeah. Today's been a little crazy. Today we have, you know, trainings, which for reporters, Reporters were just like, we don't have time for that. <laughs> but um, it's it's been a long it's been a long day. I'm going on day three actually since I had to work over the weekend for the hurricane, hurricane as you put it. I love that. I like it's so funny because I also I was like drowning my meteorologist with memes about it. Yeah. Also, and he was just like, I'm trying to do the news right now, yeah. but use it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you know how it is when it comes mm-hmm. to news. You're never really off, and so no. even today, I still have a story that I'm trying to turn today about you know some of our local firefighters going to help with some of the fires and. NorCal. Mm-hmm. So I'm like right here trying to give you my full intention, but also I have my phone right oh, here yeah. in case I get a call from one of them and have to dip out. So. Oh yeah. So if the listeners uh, listening right now, she has two phones right there next to her. And I said, Hey, just, you just give me the, give me the, the little cue. I got to bounce and then you'll go and then we'll, we'll finish it later. But hopefully we'll be able to get all this. So you're right here. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio. I want to give our listeners a little bit of backstory. Okay. The name Veronica Morley, they're, they're familiar with it from ABC 23. You've been on the news, you're seeing a report. However, the one thing I love about this is that you are actually a hometown reporter. You are hometown born and raised in Bakersfield, which is not always something that we get from a lot of the reporters that become very well known in Kern County. Let's talk about your local history. Born and raised in Bakersfield? Yes. Technically, when I was born, I was born in Bakersfield, Mercy Hospital, mm-hmm. but my family was actually living in Arvin at the time. We officially moved into like Bakersfield, Bakersfield when I was about two years old, and that's pretty much where I've grown up. Went to elementary, junior high, high school, the whole nine yards and everything. Do you have siblings? Oh my gosh, so many siblings. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> so I have... Uh, Oh my gosh. Okay. It gets kind of complicated. Um, so I have a younger brother who's mm-hmm. four years younger than me. I have an older brother who's four years older than me and an older sister who is six years older than me. And then I have two older stepbrothers. And then I have another older sister who is biologically my cousin, but we kind of took her in and adopted her and she lived with us. She's like mm-hmm. the one who changed my diapers and everything. Uh-huh. And so she's my best friend. So totally I have... Let's see how many six siblings mm-hmm. when I count them all like that. And so where okay, so where are you on the totem pole? <laughs> yeah, I, and so I'm second youngest. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So you got a lot of attention. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the one who had to like I I got to be out there. You got to make you had to make your presence known amongst everybody maybe you know i never really think of it that way but maybe that's why i got into journalism maybe. put myself on tv you know notice me i'm the youngest of seven i got five sisters one brother 
maybe maybe that's why we were pulled into this biz. Who knows? Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to analyze that another day. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me about your folks. All of my parents are in education. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad actually worked at the high school that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a Spanish teacher there. Where'd you go to high school? Centennial. Oh, Centennial. All yes. Right. Love Centennial. Uh, so yeah, my dad is Senor Morley. It's so funny. I actually, throughout this whole career, when I'm out in the field, I so there's so many times I run into his students, uh-huh. but like students from because he's been teaching since long, long time, way before I went to high school and everything. He also taught at Ridgeview. And sometimes I'll have his students from Ridgeview come up and talk to me because he is such like the, the dad when he's in the classroom mm-hmm. also. And so he loves to brag about his kids. And we're all just like, come on, dad, your students don't want to listen to you <laughs> like blab on about us. But yes, yeah, so I've had students of his come up and they'll recognize me and they're like, you're Mr. Morley's daughter. And I'm just like, ah, okay, hello. Well, that's cool. So he taught Spanish. Mm-hmm. So yeah. did you grow up knowing Spanish or? So my mom is from uh, Mexico. She's from Chihuahua, Mexico. Oh, yeah. all right. And so actually growing up when I was little, when she eventually went back to work also, her mom, my abuela, was mm-hmm. the one who would stay with us and would kind of take care of me at the house before I started school. And she only spoke Spanish. Uh-huh. So I had a lot more of like the Spanglish mm-hmm. kind of language growing mm-hmm. up. So you can understand it, but I speaking understand, was a little bit different. Yeah, so yeah. I understand okay. it I mean. very well. I know certain phrases offhand. And it's actually so funny because growing up, there's like certain words that we would always say in Spanish mm-hmm. that I didn't even understand were Spanish words. They were just the words I knew how to like explain it. So I remember one time... <laughs> This is one of my funniest memories. <laughs> one time uh, with my stepmom, uh, I was talking to her when I was a little kid, and I needed lotion. Mm-hmm. And so, growing up, we called it crema. Yeah. And so I remember I went in, and I was like, I was like, "Hey, Terry, uh, can I have some crema?" And she was just like, "What?" <laughs> and then me, this little kid who's like not mm-hmm. understanding where the disconnect is, I'm like, "Crema." Like I knew the word lotion; it's just in yeah. my head. I'd always said crema for lotion. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't put two to two oh, together. Oh yeah, like the, like well, like Mexican homes, the the bottle of Jergens is the classic bottle of Jergens. <laughs> the crema, you put the crema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my aunt used to come over to me. Come over here. She used to fill my elbows. Oh, I had to put all the cream on my elbows. She, and look at your cheeks; they're all yep. rough. So yes, crema. All right, but that's very interesting. Arvin, you're Latina. Mm-hmm. You're Chicana. You're right here, Centennial. Dad teaches Spanish. This is very interesting. Okay, love this dynamic here. This is very, very cool. (laughs) And then my mom is also, she's also in education. She's a high school counselor. She's been all over the place also. She worked at Arvin. And right now she's a high school counselor at the Lamont Continuation School. Wow. So So why didn't you get pulled into education? What happened? Everybody in my life, it seems, is in education. And my mom teases me all the time that like, oh, whenever I getting ready to be done with news she's like you should become a teacher and i'm just Mm -hmm. like i don't think i one i don't want to go back to school Uh two um oh my gosh like i don't i I don't know how i would handle a classroom yeah 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 i mean that's definitely a calling being education is a calling just like journalism so that's what i want to talk about okay so when you're in high school was there a high school newspaper there yeah i wasn't in the school newspaper we did have somewhat of a school newspaper i want to say my sophomore and junior year i don't know if he if it was through my senior year also i wasn't in it but my dad he had gotten really into sports photography Mm -hmm. kind of as a side gig and he had started his own sports photography 
business when I was getting into high school. Mm -hmm. And it started off as just me kind of helping him as his assistant and like learning a little bit about the camera and stuff. And I would kind of go and he would shoot like local football games. He eventually started also working for Max Preps. Mm. Um, I, again, as like kind of his little assistant, kind of the little kid with the camera, learning how to shoot, edit, do all this stuff. He would take me on shoots. And one year they asked him to shoot like this California state track meet for them. So he brought me along to help shoot some of the more field events Mm -hmm. while he focused on like the races and everything. And they actually liked my stuff so much that the following year when they asked him to shoot it again, they were like, hey, is your daughter still interested in doing this? And he was like, yeah. And so they were like, we'll actually like officially bring her on as one of our photographers for the state track. And I was like 16 at the time. Wow. And I just did it kind of one because like I did enjoy the photography aspect of it. It was also nice like getting to go to like different sporting events where yeah. like I knew people who were maybe competing and things like that so, um, and then so, just make a little money. Yeah, so journalism in, in high school, it was more of a just a photography thing. Yeah, that's oh. how it kind of started. And actually, initially, my first thought when I thought about like what career I was going to enter wasn't really journalism. Um, I did We the People when I was in high school and I really liked it. I really liked the history. I loved kind of the politics aspect, the congressional stuff. But more Are you a from, debater? Not necessarily a debater, but I, like I said, I really like the the history aspect okay. of it. My unit, we were very focused on like the history of the Constitution itself, mm. and so we had to do a lot of understanding about like the Federalist Papers, things like that. Like basically, what you see in Hamilton, that's yeah. that's what we spent six months studying for We the People. And so initially, I actually was thinking that I wanted to become a PR major. And go into like script writing for Mm -hmm. politics and stuff like that. And then initially, after I graduated, I went to BYU up in Utah as a PR major. My second semester, though, I had to take an intro to journalism class as one of my electives. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really started to realize like, oh, maybe I'm less in the PR mindset and Mm -hmm. more. I really liked the history aspect of some of the political stuff I was learning. I really liked the storytelling aspect. And that's when I realized, like, I kind of want to move into journalism where you get to do more of that storytelling. And you're, you know how they say journalism is the first rush draft of history. Uh I think that's what had kind of hit me. What took you to BYU? Um, So both my parents are BYU alum. That's Mm -hmm. where they met. My older brother went to BYU. Actually, all of my older brothers went to BYU as well. Are you Mormon? Mormon? Um, We grew up Mormon. I'm not exactly practicing Mormon anymore. But at the time, um, I had gone to BYU my junior year for like this camp. And I Mm -hmm. really loved it. I fell in love with the campus and everything. I was like, this is so great. So I ended up going to BYU. And I loved it. My biggest thing was I'm such a family person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, you know, it's two states away. Yeah. All of my friends all went to like state schools here in California. Mm-hmm. And I had family up there. I even, you know, my, my older brother was at BYU the same time I was. And we would hang out a lot. But I always hated the fact that like I couldn't come home on the weekend or oh, come yeah. back for special <clears throat> events. You know, if it was, you know, it, it was either Thanksgiving or Christmas. You mm-hmm. can't do both because we're broke college kids. <laughs> we can't travel yeah. between two states every But it's few a months. really nice place. I mean, oh, that yeah. whole area is beautiful, Absolutely right? gorgeous. Like I said, like aside from just me, I think, making the decision that I really it was more important for me to be close mm-hmm. to my family and be able to experience some life experiences with them even while I was going through college, you know, other than that, I loved it yeah. out there. When you're born and raised in the Central Valley, that familial like warmth ha- has to be 
it's kind of a central part of your daily life. So knowing that my folks and my family are right there. Absolutely. I mean, 25 miles from McFarland, but like coming to Bakersfield every day. At least I knew I can go back to my little hometown. We'll always have that kind of hometown. And you're from Arvin too. You know, yeah. that, that'll, that little thing will always be there. <laughs> and yeah. I mentioned, you know, my, my siblings were all very close and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was going through high school, my older sister lived in town and like she would hang out with me and my friends, even yeah. though she's six years older mm-hmm. than us. We were very tight knit. And when I left my little brother he was starting high school and that was something that I kind of had in the back of my head I was like oh man I'm gonna miss like his choir performances I'm gonna miss his Mm -hmm. track meets his sports things I'm gonna miss you know his graduation and that was a big thing of why I wanted to be here was I wanted to have that same kind of sibling experience for him going through high school when you kind of have the older sibling who can you know take you out because the other thing I loved when I was in high school was you know my sister again was older had her own money, but, you know, was living at home still. Mm-hmm. And so she was the one who would, like, take me out to dinner, you know, take me out for fun things, take me out with her friends. And oh, yeah. I got to have more of those fun experiences that not every high schooler gets to have they because keep you out of trouble in high they, school. Yeah, they keep you out. Oh, yes, because yeah. my sisters helped me out when I was in high school. My sisters were just out of high school. Anything I needed, my sisters kind of guide me. Took me to my first concerts, all that stuff. Yeah. So, yes, I, I totally. So thank you for being there for your brother because where would we be without our sisters? I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. All right. So you come back, you enroll in CSUB. BC and then oh, you CSUB. Go to CSUB. Okay. So yes. when, you, when you're going to BC, were your goals still to uh, to pursue the PR? No. Part? So at that point, okay. I had already made the decision because it was right when I had, it was right after the semester I had taken that journalism class and mm-hmm. I was already starting to think about switching to journalism that I was also then making the decision to come back to Bakersfield. So when okay. I transferred to BC, it was fully with the intention of being a journalism major. And it was so amazing because at that time, the professor who ran the renegade at yeah. bc the rip. uh yeah the rip oh my gosh i haven't heard that in so long <laughs> uh danny oh my gosh he was our professor and he it's so funny because i at 23 i have other people who have also gone through the renegade rip yeah. have gone through danny's program and it's so fun when we connect on certain things about that he taught us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that he would teach all of us journalist kids was if you can report on sports, you can report on anything. And it's because when you're a sports reporter, you're going through the data. You have to make sure you know the stats of all your players, all the people you're tracking. You know how to do you know, quick turnarounds, mm-hmm. real time. You know how to find the one, two main highlights you know, to get them in and do your story quickly. And that's exactly what you need if you're a reporter in any other aspect. When you were there at the RIP, okay, so you're just kind of like, these little assignments, kind of your typical... Yeah, because, you know, it's a newspaper, which I love print journalism. Mm-hmm. If I could, I would absolutely be working at a newspaper. Unfortunately, in the industry nowadays, <laughs> yeah. that's just not always the most feasible option. But yeah, no, I mainly covered features crime on campus uh and i actually for sports i covered our cross country and track team okay and then i also had a column that i would write about like mental health and random stuff oh well that's because they needed needed columnists your creative writing is you're you're developing all your skills and it's it's like it hasn't been that long you really made the jump really quick so that's what's what's great about this too did you just did you get your aa at bc yeah and i was somebody who very much was um determined to because I knew I was a transfer and I was an out-of-state transfer Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to lose credits and I was very determined to have that not impact when I graduated I still very much wanted to graduate in the four years um, total you know maybe maybe a little bit of here or there 
but I still really wanted to graduate within four years. And so when I transferred to BC, I took like the most amount of credits I could possibly take each semester. And I ended up only being at BC for three semesters before I made the transfer to CSUB. And in fact, I hadn't fully completed my AA by the time I actually transferred at CSUB mm-hmm. because I suck at math. Oh, oh <laughs> and I, yes. I failed my statistics class like three times. Oh, my God. But and it was funny. <laughs> so we that was kind of the last gen ed thing that I needed mm-hmm. to transfer. When I was going through the transfer process to CSUB, they were like, well, if you take, you know, a statistics class here over the summer before you start in the fall, mm-hmm. then you'll be fine. And I was like, oh, okay, I did that. And I got really lucky because I had a professor. I don't remember what her name was. But for her summer course, she was very understanding. She even told us like the first day, she's like, I know none of you here taking this class during the summer are mm-hmm. math majors. You're not here because you want to, you know, learn everything there is to know about math and statistics mm-hmm. and how to use it in a career. You're here because you have to get a credit done. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to make sure that you have the utmost comprehension of statistics of the program before the class is over. I just want to, you know, help you get through basically. Yeah. And that was nice because I was always one of those students who, when it comes to like homework, classwork, projects, things like Mm -hmm. that, that you're working through, I do very well on that, but I'm terrible at test taking. And in a lot of my previous math classes, it was like, you know, you do the homework because you have to, but that doesn't really count towards your grade. Mm -hmm. It's like 10% everything else is on the major exams. Before I could graduate from Cal State, I had to take statistics at BC, but my loophole was you took psych statistics. Ah. It was a loophole. Now, they 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 got rid of that because a lot of people were doing that. So I graduated, went to the comp program over there, PR major. Judith Pratt was a teacher. Mm -hmm. Was Judith Pratt over there when you were going? Yeah, yeah. I only took a few of her classes, though, and most of them, I think, were online... um, because the main thing was, because she's, she is communications, but she's more like the overall, in the overall communications yeah. and some of the PR. Um, and since I was uh, focused on journalism, uh, my main professor was Jennifer Berger. Jennifer. Okay. So we, yeah, we were at the Cal too. Her, her husband is, well, they're both over there now yeah. at Cal State. It seems like, yeah, all my old uh, colleagues are over there at Cal State now. Now, did you have plans to be a TV reporter yet? Were, were you starting no, to develop no, that? No, I still, I mean, I thought about it kind of here and there. Or wherever it lands. Wherever kind you of, land. because, you know, and, and we've talked about, you know, my aunt and uncle, Norma and Jose Gaspar are the main anchors for Telemundo. So I already... You gave me a shocked look. I feel like I've told you this, though. No. Have I not? No. Oh, my I gosh. I feel like I tell so that. many people. Oh, my God. Yes. Talk about somebody who knows McFarland so well, Jose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so Norma is is my maternal aunt. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I love them. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I love them too. Okay. All right. So great mentors. But yeah. So I, I, I did have some, you know, kind of understanding of TV reporting. I still very much was because, you know, I went from – the rip at BC to the runner at CSUB. And when I started on the runner, I was, you know, the features editor still doing print and working on layout and things like that. So I still very much loved the idea of being a print journalist, Mm -hmm. whether it was for a magazine or for a newspaper. Um, There's something about, you know, being able to see your work and like physically hold it. You know, that is so nice. And the way the thoughts run out and the way you can put them on paper, it's like you don't have to think of like. Uh, yeah, you're not thinking you about know. a time, you know, time limit. Um, I love 
I love still photography mm-hmm. so much, and especially when it comes to like feature stories. Yeah. And so were I you love still when doing you get a lot of were you that. doing all the photography? At, yeah, at the, oh, yeah. So, so you, I did do a lot of my own photography as you know I went like through you the do rip. now <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you're already laying the foundation down for yourself for your career. Pretty much, yeah. And it was while I was working on The Runner at CSUB, we had one of the former editor-in-chiefs. He would come in. His name is Esteban Ramirez. He's one of my mentors that I owe a lot of my career, I would say, to. Because he – it's so funny. I – for the longest time, always thought we had like at some point been at school together on the runner. No, we'd not, he'd graduated by the time mm-hmm. I joined the runner. He would just come in and help us so much that I somehow thought like we had been at school at the same time. He was a producer for 23 mm-hmm. ABC. He produced on the morning show and he was so dedicated to it that, you know, he would finish working the overnight shift for mm-hmm. the morning shows and on layout days come in and help us do layout just to help. Uh And that's how I met him. And I had asked him to look on a couple of stories I had done and kind of edit them for me, give me advice. So that's how he and I met and kind of became friends. And eventually, once I was heading into my last semester at CSUB, I had told him that I really wanted to start looking for a job. I had interned at another news station in town for Mm -hmm. a little bit. So I had kind of an idea of what working in a broadcast newsroom is like. So were, and you, I, were you helping out with the newscasts or were you kind of in the way back? I was an intern and they kind of were just like, oh, this is this kid who doesn't know anything. I got to help one of the reporters, though. They kind of put me with her, Olivia LaVoice. I always had an interest in crime wow. reporting and court reporting. And so they kind of put me with her and I would follow basically her process of how she does her stories. Um, and she would ask me, you know, hey, can you go to like the library and look up these like archived newspaper articles that I want to use as far as like B-roll and things. She would kind of show me some of that stuff. And then on days where I wasn't helping her occasionally, because at this point I was working on the multimedia team for the runner, I did have access to like some equipment and everything. And sometimes if they needed something shot and they didn't Mm -hmm. have a photographer, I would kind of offer myself up of like, I can go do it. You know, give myself the opportunity to get out there. Wow. So you were shadowing like one of the best reporters that we've had in town. Some of the best work that we've seen. I knew she wasn't going to stay here very long. Some of the stories that she did were, they kept your attention. Some of the most disturbing stories that that Kern County's yeah. heard. And uh, I know she's she's interviewed uh, one of my old classmates, Ray Pruitt. He went to McFarland High School with you. He was on the Sheriff's Department. Mm. But I remember those stories so vividly. So were you out there going out in the country with her and not a lot of that too, really Not bad too stuff? much. Not too much. The main case she was working on when I was an intern and working with her had to do with a man on death row who was going through an appeal. Not the and one with the tattoos no, all over no, his no, face. No, no, no. This him. was long before that. Oh, okay. So he was going through an appeal, mm-hmm. and it looked like the appeal was actually going to come through. Like, there had been significant evidence to show that he didn't commit the crime that they had accused him and found him guilty mm-hmm. of. So that, though, involved me kind of going through some of their archived tapes, and I got to learn the system of how you go through tapes. Yeah. There's a huge machine. It's very complicated, and you're terrified that you're going to ruin the tape if you press the wrong button. Mm-hmm. So I got to do that. But, you know, the nice thing, I think one of the things that I probably took away the most from Olivia is the fact that she was able to find such amazing and interesting and just really in-depth stories Mm -hmm. here in Kern County. And, you know, growing up, I always thought to myself, like, oh, I'm going to move to San Diego, San Francisco, L.A. I'm going to get out to the big cities and and that's where I'm going to, you know, get really great stories. And I think that was when my mindset started a shift of, oh, no, like if you're a good reporter, you can find good stories anywhere. 
Definitely one of the things I learned in comm class from Judith was that Kern County, Bakersfield, this is such a great place to get your journalism feet wet because you can literally cover anything. Yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, it has it all. It has crime, history, immigration, feel-good stories, the hard stuff. I mean, you got Kevin McCarthy here. So you have all this stuff that's yeah. pretty, pretty much at your fingers. You just walk out the door. You can find a story leaving the station right now, Absolutely. which I'm sure you're going to. Going back to, so I've been talking yes. to Esteban about the fact that I knew, you know, I always knew that I never wanted to just do busy work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had part-time jobs going through college and everything just to make money to pay my bills here and there, but I always hated it because I was always so focused on what I want to do for a career. And that's always where my mm-hmm. mindset was. So I knew going into my last semester, I want to start applying for jobs right now. I want to try to break into the industry right now because I don't want to graduate and mm-hmm. then have to be like looking for be on the job. Like I wanted to already have my feet wet, already have something secure. Yeah. Were there other students like you over there or was it, were you just kind of like by yourself kind of along the (laughs) sea of like reporters and everybody, you know, doing their thing? I don't know that there was like anybody necessary. There were a few who also kind of were very interested in getting into the journalism market. A lot of them though, a lot of the ones that I hung out with that I was kind of closer to on the, on the runner, it wasn't that they weren't like looking as like as dyke as I was to break in. I think they all just very much were more so just sure of like, oh, you know, once I graduate, I'll find a job. Yeah. Like, I don't think they had the same anxiety. I, I just have terrible anxiety. No, no, you know, and-, and at the time at the time that you were going, I mean, when I was going over at Cal State, the media was starting to change. So social media was really yeah. starting to come in. So a lot of the print uh, people, a lot of the just great print writers that did not want to make that transition were starting to fall off. So when you went to journalism class, you kind of, we all kind of looked at each other was like, well, what are you going to get into? What are you going to, I said PR because I didn't know, I didn't think yeah. anything was going to be left by the time I graduated. So. Well, and I will say, yeah, a lot of people, I think I'm one of the few people who was like very, very set on mm-hmm. getting into journalism mm-hmm. and having that be my job and my career. A lot of the other people I worked with. Um, and that's a great internship classes. that you had. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people that I had that were in classes with me or doing, you know, the journalism program, Mm -hmm. they very much had like the mindset. I think that they'd love to get into journalism, but they totally understand that that might not be their career and Mm -hmm. they'll, you know, go wherever the work is, which you need to do. So you graduate. What happens next? So, yeah. So I started actually before I graduated. That last semester was when I started working at 23. Mm. Um, Esteban, oh, wh- when did you graduate? By the, way? Uh, the end of 2018. So I told Esteban mm-hmm. and he had told me, you know, hey, we're looking for another morning producer at 23. He kind of put in a good word for me. I applied, went through the whole process and eventually accepted a job working for the morning show. And at that time, going into my last semester, Morning producers, they work from like 10 p.m. at night until 7 a.m. the next morning. So I would work overnight throughout three days during the week. And then I was the weekend producer mm-hmm. as well. And then go to school during the day, mm. Monday through Friday. So I did, I did not get a lot of sleep during my final semester. You were meant for this. <laughs> I, I was really lucky that, you know, that last semester, most of my classes were, you know, the senior journalism course classes which all were run by Jennifer Berger. Mm -hmm. And she knew that I was working for 23. She knew I was already in the business. And she also Mm -hmm. was very much had that mindset of, yeah, you're students. We want you to do good in school. But, you know, you're doing this to get into a career. Mm -hmm. And I want you to be ready for that career. So she was very understanding if, like, I was late to a class or maybe was, like, sitting in the back, not fully conscious. You had to have been, like, maybe 
just a few of the ones that were actually like doing the internships yeah. while in the class. Yeah. I had zero experience after I graduated. I only wrote one story for the runner. That was it. I was like, I'm not going to be a journalist. And then you just kind of have to go out there and find a way in. That was very, very smart of you to, to be able to get that opportunity. So everybody out there listening, if you are thinking about pursuing it, listen to what Veronica <laughs> said. You really have to be a go-getter. You have to be, yes, I will do it. Yes, I will do it. Because as we both know, the media never sleeps. Yeah. And it's always constantly changing. People's attention spans are so short. Let's talk about this. Journalists in every medium, you know, electronic, print, social media. Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that you keep yourselves engaged to stay focused on this line of work? Oh, my gosh. You know, I feel like the better question is how do you disengage? That's one of the things that's been the hardest for me is I've always been somebody who's very work oriented. And I always want to make sure that I, you know, I always want to make sure that I have stories lined up. You know, I never want to be without a story. I've Mm -hmm. had days where I come in and I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's the worst day for me. For me, it's been, yeah, disengaging and finding like the proper work life balance because the news never sleeps. And for us, that means we never sleep because even, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm done working, I'll go home and I'll be, you know, constantly checking my emails, constantly checking to see if somebody responded of my work phone, seeing if somebody had texted me or waited for a call. And my poor boyfriend, he constantly is just like, be here. Like, yeah, you're done with work and, <laughs> or like going through social media. And I'll see that we posted something. And there's a typo. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to call my station. I have to call them to fix it. And he's like, that's not your job. You're yeah. you're you're at home eating pizza. Mm-hmm. Relax. And I'm yeah. just like, I can't. <laughs> um but, but you, you, but you can't help it because you're proud of your work, and you, you, and it's out there. Once it's out there, yeah, that's the thing. We live in the day and age of the news media, where like once it's out there, if it does not get changed right away, that first impression will haunt you. Oh, absolutely. Until you take care of it. I've actually, so you know, as a reporter, you know, we've ha- we have digital producers who can help us get stories online and things like that. But I've actually, and typically that's how it works: is most of the reporters they won't post their own stories. It'll be another person who's on mm-hmm. our digital team who will take you know, what they wrote and they'll copy it and make it, you know, in the print format to go mm-hmm. on our website. For me personally, I actually tell my digital producers, you know, unless I actually ask you to post it for me, I want to make sure I'm the one to post it. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're on a deadline for broadcast, you know, there's no wiggle room really for to make your story make it on air. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you're writing your script, you know, you're not fully writing out everything that gets said in the quote or everything that's you know understand it sometimes you cut things out Mm -hmm. so that you can make slot so you want to go back and add that in i always know that as soon as that story gets posted Mm -hmm. and shared it's like those first five minutes is when 90 percent of people are going to go look at it it's not going to be the next day afterwards they're going to see it no it's it's like almost immediate so i always wanted to make sure that that first product that gets posted Mm -hmm. is exactly what I want it to be. I didn't ask you about this. Were there other reporters that you looked up to as far as, uh, well, yeah, you just told me you have (laughs) Norman Jose, so you kind of already had somebody to look up to, but is there any reporters out there in the mass media scale that you kind of looked up to? (laughs) You know, a little bit of an influence. I mean, I'm probably so bad for saying this, but no, (laughs) (laughs) because honestly, honestly, I mean, aside from working in news, Mm -hmm. I don't really watch the, yeah. the news I, and I didn't watch it growing up and honestly because local news and the, those national news models are so different mm-hmm. and I definitely prefer the local news level um, like I don't think I'd ever want to go off and be a national correspondent because it's so much fun being in 
a community yeah. and telling those mm-hmm. stories and they're so unique and yeah, you get to have really great experiences and exposure in a national setting. You get to go all over the place and you do get to do great stories, but yeah, I, it, it never, national really never was on my radar. Do you ever go back and look at your stories? There has to be a certain point where you realize you have this talent and now look at you. I mean, you're, you're a senior oh reporter. You're a senior reporter. Not everybody can do that. There's a lot of people that have those aspirations. And I've talked to people who've gone into news and they've never gotten a shot. <laughs> And you're just like, well, what is it? You know, some people just, they just get, they're just blessed with talent, the natural talent. I can tell you were just unaware of this developing in you, but you know, at what point did you know I have this talent? Was I still don't know it. What? <laughs> no. Okay. Humble, humble. I dig that. I dig no, that. That's honest, good. Good honestly, quality. I think part of it is I get very invested in my stories. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because I am from here. Um, I do have name recognition, not just from the job, just from people who know me. And because of that, um, when I'm telling my stories, and it's actually, this is something I'm learning right now. You know, my company's going through some changes and I've been talking to people about, you know, how to do certain things and stories or how to do my job kind of. And I'm learning that I very much have imposter syndrome where I have people who at my station who come up and they tell me like, you're doing such a great job. And to me, I'm like, I'll be writing a story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Like I need more time, but I have to meet the deadline. And it's because I just care so much. Yeah. And I'm so worried about not doing the story justice and not doing the people who, you know, I'm reporting on justice. We're our own worst critic. Yeah. I, I you <laughs> know, one of the biggest things was, you know, recently I just mm-hmm. did a 30 minute special on California City and I'd spent weeks and weeks working <laughs> on it just the entire week leading up to when it was going to air. And I was putting all the finishing touches and finishing writing the different stories through the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd finish a story and I'd edit it and put everything together and I'd show it to, you know, one of my coworkers and they'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm just like, no, I need to do more. I need it mm-hmm. to be better. Um, so I don't know that I will ever actually think I'm good. Well, you're great. You're doing great. And, but that's just me that as well as a viewer. <laughs> now I'm sure your parents, they love it and they, oh, yeah. they don't miss anything. Of course. My dad, <laughs> cause he knows what shows that I'm mm-hmm. in typically. And if there's ever a day that I'm not in one of those shows, he'll text me and be like, what happened? Where are you? Are you sick? Yeah. Are you are you gone? I, like, I just called the complaint line. <laughs> like, I, like when I was working on the 30 minute special, there were a lot of days where, mm-hmm. you know, we had what we call work days where we're not on air. Typically, we're out, you know, just chasing the story and doing things. And he would be like, what happened to the 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. today? And I'd be like, I'm in California City. I yeah. got other things to do. He's like, are yeah. you not working today? I'm like, I am I'm just not on TV today. OK, let's kind of switch gears on this. Let's mm-hmm. talk about uh, being a, a woman in news, you know, specifically TV news. You know, it's a position. It not only requires the skills of a reporter. But what about the distractions that come along with it? You know, namely the critics. I know that specifically women in TV news, you have to deal with a lot of mm-hmm. crap. You want to talk about that? Yeah. You know, it's it's exhausting thinking I, I growing up was never one who really did my hair and makeup to crazy amounts. And now every day it takes me an hour and a half to get ready mm-hmm. just to go to work um, because I know if I don't, I'm like, oh. I remember when I first started anchoring and... <laughs> I like watched one of my clips and I looked at myself and I was like, oh my gosh, I look like a zombie on air. Mm. And again, it's like one of those things where you're your your own worst critics. But I mean, I've had occasionally like the Facebook comments, you know, somebody saying, I, I don't remember what they said. They look, they said I look like, like a chubbier version of someone. And I was just like, okay, okay, already. But I mean, you just let it run off your shoulder. I was never one who really took, you know, criticism to my appearance as something that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. So that was never a problem. We do occasionally get, you know, the weird emails, you know, asking for weird things. And uh, you, do you have any stands? 
I I don't. You know, I, I occasionally get the DMs and everything. You know, fortunately for me, at least for now, I haven't had so much of a negative experience with mm-hmm. that. I have had occasionally when I'm out and somebody is like, oh my gosh, I watch you every morning. I've had it at like my local grocery store. I had this couple come up to me and they were like, oh my gosh, we watch you all the time. Can we get a picture with you? I was like, oh yeah, that's great. And then it was really nice because the manager of the grocery store was like mm-hmm. bagging my stuff at the time and he threw in some extra candy bars for me and I didn't notice until I got home and I was like, uh-huh. oh, that's awesome. And so, and I do love that aspect mm-hmm. of it when like people do say that they watch me. I appreciate that. It lets me know like, hey, people like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. People care about what I'm doing. And, you know, that's why I do it is I want to be able to do things that people enjoy, that people feel that impact. Mm-hmm. But I do know that there is obviously also that negative mm-hmm. aspect to it. And again, I'm fortunate enough that I haven't, I haven't really had too much experience with anybody who was like very negatively, you know, or came at me kind of in a negative mm-hmm. way. I've had occasionally the kind of like, oh, you're with the news, and I get the side eye kind of look, things like that. Like, I remember, you know, when the pandemic was going on, and that was when I had first started reporting also. And at that time, reporters, we had to be pretty remote. And so all of us had to bring a news vehicle home. And I remember at the time, my boyfriend, he was like, are you going to get one of the marked cars? Because he didn't want, you know, a news vehicle parked out in front of our house every single day. Day and mm-hmm. night and I, I was like I was like no 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 and then I ended up doing it and I was like sorry babe but <laughs> <laughs> um, and but, you know he, and he was doing it more just kind of through his mindset yeah. of just like I don't want people like I, I don't want a news vehicle parked out in front of my house and people are gonna be wondering what's going on all the time but but I also understand that that, that could potentially have been you know a safety issue like oh, some yeah. people really have negative feelings about people in the news and I think about that you know all the time when I go out to do a story when I'm reaching out to people when you think of news people and you think of reporters you know going door to door knocking Mm -hmm. and asking people things like that and sometimes you know somebody will pitch an idea and they're like oh yeah you need to find a person who's willing to talk to you go out to that neighborhood and see if you can find people Mm -hmm. and I think about to myself of like I, I don't want to go out to a neighborhood by myself and just mm-hmm. knock on random doors. Like, yeah. And that's you a go and you're thing. out there by yourself, right? For the uh, most part. Yeah. Like 90% of my stories, I would say I do by myself. You know, at, that's the other thing. A lot of times when I'm trying to set up a story or something and I reach out to a person to do an interview and they say, sure, like, yeah, we could do an interview. And I show up and it's just me with my camera. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I was expecting a whole crew, you mm-hmm. know, the big van yeah. with the satellites on top, a cameraman. And I'm just like, nope. It is me. It is just me and a camera. You do it all. You do it all. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, we want you to be safe out there. During the pandemic, I had a lot of colleagues that were always concerned about that. In the beginning, it was just like, you know, people were kind of settling into being at home. But then you started seeing the mental effects of how it was affecting the community. Yeah. Everybody wants the news sometimes until they get the news. But in order to get the news, the reporters have to go out there and do the work. I mean, you jumped into it. You jumped into this biz right in the, the the heat of the COVID pandemic. When the pandemic started, I was on our digital team. Mm-hmm. So my job was very focused on updating our website and getting those updates as soon as possible and pushing it out there to the community, getting them, you know, the fastest way possible and streaming things, mm-hmm. updating articles, all of that. That was actually the time that really pushed me for accuracy and double, triple checking every single thing I did. And because again, like, you know, we're human. Sometimes you make a typo and you're you're so concerned about, oh my gosh, I have to get this update out mm-hmm. there first. And like I said, you know, earlier about how, you know, once you post that article and it gets pushed to so- mm-hmm. social and everything, you're going to get 90% of your audience seeing that mm-hmm. in those first like 
two minutes. That's when people are going to see it. Everything else afterwards, it's leftover, basically. And so if it's if there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with that very first published piece of work, everyone is going to see it oh, that, then. Yeah, They're not going to see it an hour later. They're not going to see it two hours later when you've had a chance to go back and look at it and be like, oh, shoot, I accidentally you know, made a typo there or a grammar mistake there. No, they're going to see it right there and then. Well, let's let's take people just really quickly into, so you're on the digital team. Now, me coming from the print world, you know, there's kind of like a, a series that you go to editing. In being in the newsroom, it has to move so fast. You know, yeah. like, time is of the essence. You have to self-edit. You have to do self-copy edit everything, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> no, and honestly, and I would I give so much, um, you know, respect for digital journalists in TV news because, you know, as a reporter, I have one, maybe two stories that I'm focusing on mm-hmm. at a time, uh, and I have several hours to work on that story. It's exhausting because that's when you're trying to find people to interview, you're running all over town getting video and things like that. But the digital people, they have every single story that comes down that day Mm -hmm. is on them to get pushed onto a website, get published and things like that. Um, You know, they're dealing with so many things. Like I remember when I was on digital, that was when public health was giving, you know, updates two times a day on our COVID numbers mm-hmm. for the day. So I had to, you know, make sure I was listening to that update. And as soon as they would give us the number, go in and type it in, mm-hmm. go to the next one, try to push it out. And then after that, you know, I'd have, okay, what stories still haven't been put on the website that we got, you know, this morning, I have to go in and put that now on the website and post it to Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all that. And then we were getting like congrats to grads at the same time where people would, you know, send us a picture of their grad and a little statement. And I had to do, I had to do probably like a hundred to 200 of those a night in order to get that, in order to uh, keep up with the Mm -hmm. amount that we were getting in. And that's, you know, outside of, okay, little press releases that we get throughout the day, court documents that, you know, we'd requested and we finally got them, things like that. I mean, it's so much work and you're having to constantly be thinking about as soon as you finish one post, one story, you move on to the next. It's, and it's so mentally exhausting. But you learn, but you learn, but, that, but, but that, that's, yeah, but that's, that's when why I you're learned. a senior that's, reporter. <laughs> that's when I learned, like, okay, even when I'm stressed about getting something out as quickly as possible, you know, take those, you know, five seconds mm-hmm. to stop, double check everything, make sure it's all perfect because yeah. you don't get a second chance. I and mean, people on Facebook are ruthless sometimes. Yeah. So Oh, totally, totally. Now, you know, you're someone who produces daily. You're always out there. You know, you've accumulated a lot of com- content over the year. I'm sure your archive. Is there any... Anything in particular that you're proud of? Like, I want to show you this story. I, I, I was I was thinking about that before we started this interview. Mm-hmm. You know, what are my what are my favorite stories? Yes. And it's so hard to pick because it, there are so many different things. And for me, the stories, it's not just the story itself. It was, you know, the whole experience for me getting to tell those stories and report on them. And I, I love the video editing aspect of journalism because there's so many fun things you get to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you have gnat sounds and it depends on the story. But I mean, I would have to say, you know, some of my favorite stories. Um, oh, gosh, it's so hard. You know, one I, I do remember. So one of my favorite, favorite things I got to edit was back when I was still on digital. Um, and it was back when we were doing the live stream vaccine at the Fox Theater, the concert series. And yes. and I was kind of the main <laughs> person so in charge fun. of that. I think that may have been one of the yeah. very first times you and I got yeah, to work yeah, together. Yeah, yeah with Mentoburu. 
And so when that was coming to an end, we wanted to do something kind of fun to commemorate, you know, the concert series ending. So because I, you know, knew exact, I knew everything that had happened over the last few months of it, I got to go back and, you know, pick out bits and pieces from different shows. And I put them all together as mm-hmm. a little nap pack that the morning show got to run. And it just had like little bits and pieces from every different show. And we had so many different things. We had Mento Buru on. Mm-hmm. We had country acts we had rock we had rap music i mean it was everything so that was a really fun one just because visually and auditorily it was so immersive and so fun to watch and listen to it um i had like little nap pops from moments when i hosted the show when mike hosted the show Mm -hmm. when jess hosted the show so a lot of fun things to do there so that was one of the ones i really liked in you know an editing perspective going from maybe like a journalism perspective this one was so exhausting and I think that's why maybe I'm so I I love it so much was when the three-year anniversary of the Ridgecrest earthquakes were Mm. going on I was filling in on weather in the mornings at that time so I would you know come in at 3 a.m do weather for our morning shows from 4 30 until 7 a.m and it was the week before the anniversary and I wanted to have an anniversary piece so for four days straight as soon as I would get off with the show at seven o'clock I would immediately drive up to Ridgecrest, just straight up there, get there at like 9 or 10 a.m. And I started just looking for the stories. That was one of those times where I had already an interview set up with the mayor, but otherwise I didn't know exactly what my stories were going to be. And so I went to an interview with him one day and he told me about a few different things that I went to go follow up, like the theater and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then like the next day I did the same thing. I went up and I drove up to Trona. And that one, you know, because that's an extra like 45 minutes for the yeah. drive. So that time I didn't even get up there until like almost 11, 12. Mind you, I technically was supposed to be off at 12. Mm-hmm. My goal those days was like, OK, I'm going to spend like one to two hours up here before I make the drive back. So I get back at somewhat of a reasonable time. I didn't want to be you know, up at two in the morning and not get home till 8 p.m. So I was doing that. And yeah, I did the second day when I went up to Trona. I remember I just went to like one of their museums and I went in talking to one of the women up there and she was like, oh, you should go talk to these people. They set up, you know, a little makeshift hospital clinic for our elderly. So then went over there, started talking to one of them. And then as I was like driving around, I'd like gotten out to like go shoot some of the neighborhoods with my camera and a family had come out to me and they were like, hey, like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm with the news. I'm, you know, working on an anniversary piece from the earthquakes. So and they were like, oh, like, they, you know, kind of started telling me their story. And by that time, it was already, you know, almost like once. I was like, oh, I really want to get back on the road right now. Yeah. But I'd ask them, I was like, hey, do you mind? Like, can we do an interview? To, you know, I'm going to come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? And they were like, yeah, sure. Go on. So same thing. Next day, finish the show, 7 a.m., immediately take off. Because I told them, I was like, can we do it at like 9, 30, 10? They're like, yeah, that's perfect. So drove out there, did the interview with them, did some more B-roll video and stuff like that, and then got back. I was getting home around like 3, 4 p.m. every day and then just mm. like crashing And so I did that for about three, four days and then spent like the next two days editing it and everything. And it turned out great. And like I said, it, it, you know, it mainly was just the exhaustion. But I loved that. Like I was going out there not really knowing what my story is, which is really stressful Mm -hmm. also because you don't want to spend all that time, put all that work in and not have anything. Oh, yeah. So I was really glad that I was able to find some of those stories and that I found people who, you know, yeah, they saw me with a camera and they're like, yeah, we'll talk to you. It's. It's so nice when you get people like that. Oh, yeah. Just, they're willing to give you the story and you're just like, thank you. 
Well, especially like a place like Trona. Now, Trona is the place where it's known for sulfur, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So you you know you're in Trona when you start smelling yeah. the sulfur out there. Trona, Boron, like Ridgecrest, all those desert like little towns <laughs> you you run into. Maybe if you're on your way to Vegas or something like that, yeah. you start seeing those names like that. But the people over there, when you go and visit with the people, meet the people, place like Trona compared to Bakersfield, what are some of the the differences or the similarities? Hmm. You know, kind of like I was saying, it, it's fun to kind of be out there and have, you know, you're out there with your camera and they, they're so just like, oh, here's my story and yeah. everything like that. And, you know, sometimes around Bakersfield, it's sometimes a little harder to find, you know, somebody wanting to do, you know, wanting to go on camera and things like that. <laughs> The funniest thing to me I love was when I, I, I'll be working on a story and I reach mm-hmm. out to somebody and I introduce myself as a reporter. I say I'm doing a story or sometimes, you know, when I'm looking for a character, I'll post on my social media like, hey, I'm working on this story, looking for people to talk to. And I'll get responses from people and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, this is my experience with this. Or this, you know, I'm totally doing this. And I'm like, oh, wow, great. And the second you're like well, can I do an interview with you mm-hmm. on camera? And they're like, I don't want to go on camera. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Yeah, and then, yeah. Well, and then you have to travel out to Trona. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's cool. So, so you've really gotten to know the, the all of Kern County. Yeah. And I think the more that you go over there, you become more, they, you develop a level of trust. Is the archive available online if people want to go back and see some of these stories? Because this is history. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Um, I mean, our I know like our YouTube channel, um, all the stories that we that we clip and post on, to our website go on to YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. So if you go to our YouTube channel, I mean, we have our stories going all the way back to like 2005. Gosh, how many stories do you have on there that, that feature you? Oh, me? If you I were just have like no <laughs> idea. In the thousands? You can go to my Facebook page and see all my stories because mm-hmm. I do make sure. That's one of my biggest things is no matter what, like I'll even put off posting it to the website mm-hmm. but i will always post it to my facebook and share it so yeah what what is what's your facebook uh, it is veronica morley 23 abc yes 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 okay so we've already talked about your history in the news where you're at right now but this has to be the most basic of questions but since you're my guest i have to ask you what advice do you have for students interested in pursuing a career in journalism i would have to say that you you really have to love the job. And I don't mean like the job itself. Like you really have to love journalism and love where you're doing it. Um, I don't think I could do this job as as intensely as I do anywhere else because I really love Bakersfield. I really love Kern County. It's my hometown. And it's also that love that makes it so stressful for me. Like I told you earlier, I really want to do a good job with my stories because this is my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to make people proud here. I really want to make people who know me and people who don't know me really proud with my stories. So I put a lot of effort into it and it's really exhausting sometimes. It's really emotionally draining. It's really physically draining. I went up to Ridgecrest Monday to talk about, you know, what was going on after the storm. Mm-hmm. Same thing, you know, I you know had my normal shift, got in at 9.30, Left, got up to Ridgecrest at like 1230, was out there, you know, working by myself, didn't have a photographer or anything. And because of that, you know, I couldn't leave Ridgecrest until I was absolutely done making sure all my stories and everything for on air, everything was good before I left. So I was out there until 530, didn't get home until 8 p.m. If I didn't care as much about, you know, what story I was doing or what you know story I was putting out there, I could have probably made my deadline and be like, you know what, I'm going to do what I can mm-hmm. by four, get it up, you know, get whatever story out there by four and then get back on the road get home at six you know meet you know get home at my scheduled time but for Mm -hmm. me I was like 
I was hearing so much of like, oh, you need to go look at this. You need to do this. And I was like, those are really important things for this story. I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to, you know, make myself stay out there longer in order to get those stories. Yeah. I got called in, you know, on my weekend to go mm-hmm. cover. And as soon as you get the call, you're just kind of like, all right, I'm going. And some people are like, why, why can't you just say it's your weekend? I'm like, well, it's the job. So I, I really love that, you know, that's my job and I get to do it in a place that I love. But yeah, if I didn't love it, I, I, I couldn't do it. I don't imagine yeah. how I could do it. And I wouldn't want to. You know, everybody always says, you know, if you love the job, you'll never work a day in your life. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> you can love the job. It's still going to be work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do you hang out with any of the other reporters in town from the other stations? You oh, yeah. That's that's a really funny thing. Uh, people always ask us, especially if we are like in the same covering the same story. People love to ask like, oh, are you guys like rivals? And like we're competing stations, but I mean, I've never had like beef with any of the other reporters. Or like you Anchorman, know? where they all show up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what people always loved. I've had experiences mm-hmm. with some people who are from other stations or from a competing market. The it wasn't like crazy, but they were like kind of trying to push my buttons. But for the most part, I mean, I I often run into the other reporters and we're so just like nice because we all do the job Mm -hmm. and we all know we're just there to do a job. So no one's going to try to like get in your way of doing something. So, you know, the Trump years, the Biden years, things were pretty hot, especially here in the red dot of Kern County. What are your predictions about how journalists are going to have to deal with it? What are some of the things that you're you're kind of preparing yourself for 2024? You know, we we stick to the facts. That's that's the thing, you know, and a lot of people might not think that that's the case. But that really is the goal when especially when it comes to elections, because there's so much that happens with elections. We don't have time to try to get like super crazy with it. We really are just going out and being like, okay, what's the facts? What is it in this race that we need to cover? Mm -hmm. You know, who are the candidates? And we just, you know, you know, obviously there's a fairness. And so typically whenever you have two candidates and things like that, if you reach out to one, you're reaching out to the other. You always have to keep it balanced. So but elections, yeah, it's always crazy because there are so many different races, different things. I mean, from school boards to local city or county councils to national races and things like that. Um, That is another thing that I give major props to our digital team Mm -hmm. for because, you know, the reporters, you have your few races that you're following and interviewing and things like that. But election night for digital. Oh, my gosh. You have to know every single race that's happening and be on top of all the updates. You know, same thing with anchors. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Election night with the anchors. You're doing cut ins every few minutes with just, you know, which race are we covering right now? Mm-hmm. What's the update? What's the latest number? OK, boom. Mike is so amazing at this because yeah. Mike is talking about those, Mike Hart. Yes. Mike yes. Hart. One of my favorite reporters ever. If you want to you know, ask me who who do I watch or mm-hmm. you know, what news person do I focus on, it's Mike because he just knows the business so well. He knows the community so well. And one of the things I love is when, you know, say, yeah, for elections, when we're talking mm-hmm. about you know, doing cut-ins every two minutes and having to have you know, the latest update, he'll be sitting there, even though he has a producer who's supposed to be you know, updating the scripts with the numbers and graphics and things like that, he'll sit there with his laptop open watching the race himself so that he mm-hmm. knows you know that it's the latest number and that if something changes while he's in the middle of the cut and he'll be able to say like oh looks like we just yeah. got another update i mean he is so yeah. quick with it all it's just amazing and he's like that with everything yeah. breaking news newscasts everything he and he could sing he it. could sing if, if you wanted he could sing the newscast <laughs> oh if you to. absolutely if does he walk not. around does he walk around the station singing 
He does not. That's me. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, so we talked about that. Let's talk about some little bit of lighter stuff about you. What's on your playlist? Oh my gosh, I have everything from I, you know, I love my '80s rock. Uh, I love Journey, especially. We were talking. I think we were talking about it earlier. How I went to the Journey show this year, mm-hmm. and it was so so good. Um, all the way up to you know Blink One Eighty Two, My Chemical Romance. I love me a little bit of country. I mean, I love everything. Mm-hmm. I, I have show tunes on here, so it really I I, I say no to very little and. In fact, I even love you know some of my heavy metal and yeah. all and all that. Were you were you into were you an emo kid? I was. I got <laughs> oh, it. there you go. When you said my Chemical Romance, I was like, okay, I know where we're going here. Because <laughs> yep. you can't say that without saying I nope. was probably an emo kid. Oh, I, I I was definitely an emo kid, and I have gone to emo night at 1933. Yes. And <laughs> that's all good. That. I bet you that's such a great stress reliever because you could just think back to like easier days for at least for a while. Like I remember what just. All I had to do was just go to school and like rock out in the bedroom. Oh my gosh. I love (laughs) high school. I loved my high school days. You know, I love, you know, I know people always are like, are you one of the people who got stuck in high school? And I'm like, no, I didn't get stuck in there, but I do still love it though. No, well, you don't seem like you were like one of those. Well, I want to get in the news because I, you know my childhood was was miserable. You sound, <laughs> I mean, you sound very well adjusted, and you're doing great work in the community. Now, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Veronica Morley. She's the senior reporter at ABC 23. Now, if you're uh, the broadcast you're listening to right now, is actually going to be the shortened version of our interview, but. As soon as the broadcast is over, you can go to Forge1039.com and you can go to the Real Talk podcast. You could hear it in its entirety because we want to get this full story. You know, I'd love to put all every single second on the radio, but we have to go through breaks and everything like that. But if you go to the podcast, that's the wonder the wonderful thing about digital journalism is that's that the story you, of my life right there. Exactly. You could hear the whole thing. I was thinking back to when we took a news writing class at CSUB, and even when uh, when you're talking about uh, political stuff, I remember in high school, we would always have to watch like a series of movies, and I think there's always those kind of the essential films of any aspiring journalist that you have to go through, and there's kind of like a series. Yeah. So you're going to start with one, and you tell me, because there's obviously like, I come from a different era. I'm an 80s kid. You're a 90s kid. Yeah. Okay. Did you have to watch All the President's Men? I didn't have to. I liked it too one time. Oh. That was one of the ones that I, I was just at home and I was like, all right, I'm studying journalism. It's time to take the jump and watch all the president's men. Yes, Watergate. You remember studying all the bad mm-hmm. in history class. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent film. Oh, well, okay. What about, did you ever watch broadcast news? Yes, I have watched that one. Again, that was another one that just like, as I was in the business, I was like, all right, time to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's from 87. All the presidents spend 76. Uh, broadcast News, 87. Okay, so now we're coming a little bit more into the current. The Paper with Michael Keaton, Glenn Close. I don't think I've seen that one. No. That's a good one. Okay. okay. So Add put that, that on, to my repertoire. Put that on your list. Okay. Spotlight. I have. Yep. Yes. Love Spotlight. Excellent, excellent film. People need to go back. If you want to see like a little bit of the history of like the newsroom, the, the classic newsroom that you would always see like in 70s TV with like the clackety clack of yeah. all the newsrooms and, and the TV news and how everybody got along. Some of these have, you know, they're true stories. Spotlight, you know, talking about the uncovering the yeah. child abuse in the church. And then um, let's that see. That also, I mean, Spotlight, I would say that's like the epitome dream for journalists. Mm-hmm. So if you do go watch that movie, know that that's actually not how like many of us get to work but that's what we would love and aspire to do yeah. like our dream job would be doing something like that those big big city just yeah. like chasing the huge story of teams yeah. everybody mean together exactly. drinking lots of diet cokes all the time i gotta stay up i gotta <laughs> stay up okay what about um did you see the boston strangler that was uh kira knightley 
No, I no, I haven't watched that one yet. That and that goes back yeah. to because we're talking about women in journalism yeah. that have been such a huge part of breaking some of these huge stories that have affected entire cities. Not just like they were hardworking, but they were they went up and beyond. And yeah. they, and the things that they had to deal with in the newsroom, the, the the pioneering voices for for women in journalism and people like you are just continuing that tradition. Just excellent work. So you should see that Bustin' Strangler. Now, what about a little bit darker turn, Bombshell? Did you see Bombshell? Yes, 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 yes. Definitely saw Bombshell. When you see something like that now and you see, and because it's about Fox News, you can see it right now. It has Charlie Theron, Margot Robbie. It's kind of a disturbing film. Watching that, what what do you think about? You know, I think the thing that I think about when I watch that is, um, you know, obviously that movie centers on issues that came up during the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. and, you know, sexual harassment and things like that. But the thing that I think about about it from, you know, my personal experiences is Charlize Theron's character, the issues, Megan Kelly, right? Yes. The issues of having to report on an issue that could negatively impact, impact you on your job or impact a working relationship, mm-hmm. because that's something that comes up as journalists all the time. You know, we have like working relationships with people throughout town that, you know, we rely on for stories. And if something bad comes out about it, it, you know, it could negatively impact that relationship and your ability to go to that person and do stories with them. But that doesn't mean you're not going to report on it. Yeah. You know, you know, for you and me, an example, like we have such a great working relationship. I love reporting on, yeah. you know, Mento Buru, the events you guys <laughs> yeah. do and the music and all the great Thank stuff. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> if something crazy came out, like I'm not going to say like, oh, I can't cover Matt. Sorry. Yeah. No, you no. got No, that's that's your job. You have to do it. Yeah. Unbiased. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, it's a job. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's we're just here to do a job. And so and and fortunately, the times where that has happened, where maybe something came out and it was something that would reflect negative on somebody who I work with regularly in other stories. You know, they were, you know, usually very understanding of like, look, it's your job. You're reporting the facts and they'll, you know, give me their comment and things like that. So that was one thing that I did kind of take away from that as Mm -hmm. well. You know, Megan Kelly having to report on this big scandal that directly was impacting her job, her career, her stability in life, you know, because it was a negative story on the company that she worked for. Yeah. Very well said. So when are you going to have your own uh, podcast radio (laughs) show? (laughs) You can tune in on 23ABC News. <laughs> yes. That's One about th- it. <laughs> hey, any shout outs to anybody out there listening? Oh, my gosh. Shout out to my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Love them. Um, very supportive parents. They love, you know, when people tell them that they watch me on the news all the time. And they're they're definitely like the, the what do they call them? Um, like the pageant parents who yeah. love to like well, of highlight course, me. They're and, so proud. They're and I'm just kind fans. of like, come yeah. on. <laughs> And your whole crew. I mean, you got to give a shout out to your coworkers. You know, Everybody's yeah, good. I definitely shout out to everyone that I work with because everyone works so hard in their jobs. Um, and it's truly one of those jobs that you can't do it without other people. Mm-hmm. And I think lastly, you know, if I just had to think about people to thank again, I mean, I've mentioned a few of them already, but the mentors that I've had throughout my entire career who really have just supported me and taught me everything I needed to know again from uh, you know, he's not listening because he's in Vegas now, but Esteban Ramirez, the yeah. guy who, you know, introduced me to the job at 23 mm-hmm. and taught me how to be a producer, taught me, you know, how to build a newscast, what things are newsworthy, you know, from him to my executive producer, Eric, he, you know, he now works for the city and, 
he was the one who there were days where I went home crying, you know, because I was so exhausted and I'd made a typo and everything. And he called me out on it. But he also, you know, as tough as he was, he was so supportive. He always pushed me to be better. Um, And he also, you know, his goal was to make our newscast better. And even if, you know, something was going wrong, he always had our back. So Eric Galvan, he, you know, shout out to him. He really got me through a lot of things. Um, And he still gets me through a lot of things. Um, And, you know, up to again, Mike Hart, Mike Hart is, you know, when I was doing one of my first stories for 23, it was a cold case. I was still a producer. Um, and he was the one who actually gave me contacts to reach out to and like helped me learn how to edit and things like that. So really so many people have just supported me so much and I just appreciate it so much. Once again, I am joined by Veronica Morley. She's the senior reporter at ABC 23 News. Thank you for being so candid and sharing me with all this wonderful information. Everybody out there listening, all you have to do is just turn on your TV, go to ABC 23, follow on her socials follower stories. And if you're thinking about starting a career in journalism, you heard it all right there. Go back and listen to the podcast. You can go back to the very beginning and hear the whole story. So many great things. I could probably keep you here another hour, but I know you're looking at your phones. You got to be jumping out on the road and covering stories all over the place. Once again, I want to thank Veronica Morley, senior reporter at ABC 23 News. Thank you for being on Real Talk. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast. If you'd like to catch Real Talk on Terrestrial Radio, you can catch the live broadcast every Friday from 10 a.m. to noon on Forge 103.9 FM in the Kern County area. You can also stream the show and podcast from Forge1039.com. And if that's not convenient enough, you can also follow and subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. Technology is amazing. Thanks again.